0: doesn't it feel good to be included you know what i mean like you're not alone you're with somebody uh yesterday i was in my yard doing some work and um across the the road some uh, some of the the kids in town some of the t- kids in the neighborhood some little girls were playing in the front yard and my daughter was looking over there she's like what What are they doing? What are they doing? So she came to me with this urgent request. Daddy, can I please go over there? I really need to see what they're doing. She didn't want to be left out. So I said, Yeah, you can go check it out. And she ran over there. And I remember that feeling of just wanting to be included in the neighborhood gang, you know? And so, like, every day after school, it seems like there's some little girl at my front door. Can Savannah come out and play? You know, you remember that? You remember when you used to do that? It feels good to be included. And it doesn't change as we get older. I remember being uh, in high school and, and just seeing all the different things you could be involved in, the clubs and, and all kinds of different, uh, you know, activities, sports. Uh, in my school, a big status symbol was the letter jacket. You guys have the letter jacket? You know, you got, we had those real snazzy ones with like the, the leather looking sleeves. and I don't, You'd never wear them in any other setting, but it's super cool. I remember as a freshman walking in and seeing all the dudes with letter jackets on, just be like, man, I just one day... One day I want one of those letter jackets and I finally earned one. And I remember like getting it and having my letter sewn on and get, and get your name on it in the back. You're like, yeah, you walk a little taller at school because you got a letter jacket. You're walking around, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, I, I broke it out yesterday and it's funny because I actually brought it with me and left it at the back of the room. And here's the thing, since, uh, since high school, I have not touched that letter jacket. Um, and uh, I, I, I learned that the reason that you keep them is in case you ever become a preacher and need to use it as an illustration. But I couldn't even remember to bring it on stage. So you can all try on my letter jacket after church if you want to. Um, but I had that thing, and you know what? It was cool because you could be included in that group, and people could see like that's that's something they do inclusion. In some places, it's really easy to see. Uh, You know, some groups have uniforms. My son is a Cub Scout. In fact, in a couple of weeks, on the 26th, uh, there are a lot of boys in our church here who are Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts, and they're going to wear their uniforms to church that day. If you didn't get that memo and your kids are in Scouts, let them know. The 26th, we're having a Scout Sunday, and really we're just letting them wear their uniforms. Why? Because they love it. They're proud of it. We want to celebrate the thing that they're a part of. So sometimes a uniform will set that off. Sometimes it's like a membership card. Like, I ain't trying to brag or nothing, but I'm part of a pretty exclusive club in town. Maybe some of you have uh, been let in. Uh, this guy, Sam, he started a club. And uh, man, look, if you're not in, it's okay. There's a, a nominal fee, but uh, I can get you a great deal on like 90 gallons of mayonnaise. If you need that, just hit me up. It feels good to be included in a special group. Today, uh, as we continue through the book of Galatians in this series called Unchained, we'll see that this concept of... This being included is not just a social concept. It's actually a very spiritual concept. The idea of being included in God's group, a group that God would look down on and say, Yeah, you're doing a good job. You're part of the clan. And we'll find that being part of God's group is something that brings so much joy, so much freedom. It brings forgiveness, it brings grace, it brings love, it brings light. It's a good thing to be in God's group. We're going to be in the book of Galatians today. So if you've got a Bible, go ahead and break that thing out. We've got some under the chairs. If you don't have a Bible, feel free to take one of those home with you if you need one. Uh, look it up on your phone. Open up or scroll down to Galatians chapter 3. It's in the New Testament of the Bible. So it's kind of near the end of the Bible in that last third of the Bible. That's about the life of Jesus and the early church. And the book of Galatians, as we've been discussing, was a letter that was originally written by the Apostle Paul, To a group of churches in an area known as Galatia, which is modern day kind of Turkey. So look that up, and while you look that up, let's just recap a little bit of where we've been the last few weeks. Uh, the basic narrative of the whole book of Galatians is basically this dispute that's been happening between two groups of Christians. Uh, not rivaling factions, but just groups who had different opinions. On the one hand, there were the Galatian Christians who were Gentiles. In other words, they didn't have a Jewish heritage, and they became Christians because this guy, the Apostle Paul, had come and started some churches there. He told them about Jesus, and they accepted Jesus, and they became Christians, and these are how these churches began. That's one group of Christians. The other group of Christians uh, we've kind of uh, we've kind of identified as what we call the Judaizers. The Judaizers were a group of Christians, yes, but they also had Jewish heritage. And specifically, not only were they Jewish Christians, but they believed that in addition to knowing Jesus, you also needed to follow some of the Jewish law to be considered. In the in group, to use some of our language this morning. And so that if you, didn't, uh, if you didn't follow some of these Jewish laws, no matter how Christian you were, you weren't in the club. These are the two factions that are happening. And they're kind of at it. And so Paul writes this letter as a response to that to clarify some things. And to say, listen, I think that some of you have got it wrong. I think that maybe you need to be set straight. You know, this kind of thing happens in the church all the time. Many of us have been a part of it. Division in the church. You ever seen that? If you're here this morning and and maybe uh, church is new to you, maybe you decided to come out on a snowy day for your first try at church ever or in a long time, maybe one of the things that have kept some of us away from church for a season is just that infighting, right? The inability to get along. Why are there so many denominations and why can't we all just get along? First, let me just say to you as a Christian, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that that's been your experience and let me... Tell you, I wish that you could come in here and I could say, Hey guys, welcome to perfect church. Well, we've got it all figured out. But we don't. We don't. Anytime that you have more than one person in the room at the same time, there is definitely the tendency for disagreement and argument. If you don't believe that, it's a human tendency. If you don't believe that, you're welcome to borrow my two children and take them on a road trip, (laughs) put them in the back seat, give them 10 minutes, and they will be arguing about something. you know you've experienced that, and so. But here's what I want to say as a church and to you, if you're just kind of visiting today, let's be a church where we can learn to disagree in love, if nothing else, right? And and try to come to a better understanding of who God is together. That's our goal, and we always want to teach truth, but we want to present it in love. And so let's get back to Galatians, because this argument is happening. As we get into chapter 3, I believe it can be really healing and really encouraging for us. Uh, We're going to look at a good chunk of chapter 3, and then just dip into chapter 4 just a little bit. And we're going to see as Paul catches us up on what's been going on, and then he's going to bring us some new truth for today. So hopefully you got Galatians chapter 3 by now, and we're going to jump right in at verse 1. Here we go. He starts like this. You foolish Galatians. I love that chapter 3 starts like that. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit, talking about the Holy Spirit of God, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain, if it really was in vain? So again, I ask, does God give you his spirit and works miracles, work miracles among you by works of the law, by what you do? Or does he do it by believing what you hear? So here we are, chapter 3. Paul seems still pretty stunned at how far the Galatians have fallen away from this original message that he taught them. And this time he says this phrase, in the very first verse, he says, who has bewitched you? Who has bewitched you? Now that sounds kind of like, well, who says that kind of stuff? But I, some scholars have even said that maybe, maybe Paul was even concerned that there was more than just semantics and infighting here. Maybe there was like a real spiritual battle, like maybe some demons or something had come into this church and literally bewitched these people and caused them to lose the faith in Jesus that they had initially had. Uh... These Judaizers have really done a number on the Christians in Galatia. Like, they're really mixed up. And so he goes on he just really clearly lays it out in that second part of, of the first thing we just read there. He says, look, Jesus was clearly portrayed as crucified before you and that he rose from the dead. Like, this is the reason I came to you in the first place. I came to tell you that the Messiah of the world had come. I came to tell you, did you forget that? And you accepted that message and, and you were baptized. You received the Holy Spirit in your life. What's gotten into you? Have you forgotten all that? And so it's like he's finally, he's coming to this point now. The first three chapters, I feel like he just, he's been really frustrated. And if you remember over the last couple of weeks, he really keeps reiter, reiterating this whole idea about, you know, there's freedom and you don't have to be in the law anymore. We've been into a lot of that stuff. But as we get into this section we're in today, it's like Paul finally says, okay, here's some teaching for you to do better. Like, listen to what I'm about to say, because this is going to kind of turn the corner for you. And he sets up this this, two coin, this two-sided coin argument, like heads and tails type thing, there's this dichotomy that's going on. And he says, listen, there, there's basically two, two realities that we're having to deal with here. The first reality is the reality of the flesh. The second reality is the reality of the spirit. It's, it's a very common, basic Christian principle, flesh uh, or physical versus spiritual. Jesus talked about it in Matthew chapter 26, verse 41. Jesus says, watch and pray. So that you would not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And you hear this and you're like, man, that's not just a Christian problem. Like, that's an everyday problem. Uh, the great theologian R. Kelly wrote about it in the 90s when he said in the, the, uh, the deep song called Bump and Grind, he said, my mind is telling me yes, sorry. My mind is telling me no, but my body, my body is telling me yes. And before you get offended and say, how dare he say that? Come on, you've been there, right? It's that moment when you're like, I want to do the thing that's wrong. Like, I know it's wrong. Man, I'm... I don't know. I'm going to do it anyway. It's the classic, uh, the cartoon angel and demon scenario. Remember those old school cartoons and and the little miniature version of you sitting on your shoulder, one of you dressed like an angel, and one of you dressed like a demon with horns and a pitchfork, and like whispering into your ear. On one side is like, yeah, do the good thing, do the good thing. And on the other side is like, do the bad thing, do the bad thing. And back and forth it goes, it's a battle. Flip the coin, flesh versus spirit. It's a problem that we deal with. And Paul says, this is what you're dealing with right here. This is what's going on. It's a real dilemma. You may have fought it this morning. When you woke up, you're like, A, daylight saving time. B, snow in my front yard. Do I really need to go to church today? Like I went last month because I'm probably good for at least a couple of months, right? It's the battle we fight every day. And the reason I bring it up here is because that's what these Judaizers are going through. They're saying your salvation depends on making sure that the flesh part of you gets it all right, that you follow all the rules. You know, that you can check off tick, 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 tick that I followed the law of Moses. And until you do that, you're not right with God. It's his salvation by works primarily, it's the Jewish law. Now, don't get me wrong, I need to take a side here. Don't get me wrong, God wants us to do good. In a kind of a modern era of grace, not that it's new, not that grace is new, but a lot of times in church, we don't want to say things like sin is bad and it separates us from God and you've got to stop doing that mess. Like that, but that's, 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 that's what Jesus wants from us. He wants us to seek holiness. He wants us to seek righteousness. He wants us to repent from the sin in our life and turn our lives back to him. So yes, that is part of it. Our flesh has got to get our act together. But Paul brings out a whole new part of this dilemma. Like he's saying, Even if you won the flesh battle every single day, even if, it still wouldn't be enough to save us. We can't earn our way into God's grace. Why? Because nobody's perfect. We sin, we mess up, we fall short of God's glory, we make our souls, in effect, incompatible with God's presence because he's holy and his life is the standard of perfection. See, God's goal is to save us completely. He doesn't want to just save us from a momentary lapse of judgment or some problems that we're dealing with. He wants to save us completely, and so he doesn't only try to heal us on the flesh level. He saves us on the soul level. And he gives us an opportunity to be in his presence because he knows that our flesh is prone to mistakes. And so he wants to give us something deeper and something more lasting. And so that's what Paul's getting at when he asks this question. He says, listen, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law, or did you do it by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish that after beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? This is the big dilemma they're dealing with, and shoot, that we're dealing with today. If I could just get it right, if I could just finally stop doing this one thing, I'll be right with God. See, remember we started out talking about uh, this question, doesn't it feel good to be included? Doesn't it feel good to be part of a special club? And what Paul is trying to help us understand is, what does it mean to be part of the Jesus club? Like, what are the credentials? How can anyone know? How can I know that I've done what I need to do to, to be accepted by God? Well, uh, I go to the YMCA every week, try to, and I go to exercise. And when I get there, I pull out my little membership card on my keychain and boop on the little booper thing. And, like, that's how they know that, that I'm a member. Like, I paid my dues and I got my card. That's how I got in. Well, what's happening with these Jews is they're going to these Galatian Christians and they're checking credentials. You got your card? You got your card? And they're asking them very specific questions. Specifically, do you follow the law of Moses? Yeah, I get it. You accepted Jesus. You got baptized. That's great. So did we. Uh, Do you follow the law of Moses? I mean, they're requiring converts to be circumcised. They're requiring them to live by kosher dietary laws. They're requiring them to follow these specific things that are are primarily Jewish custom. And, And they don't do that, man. You're not part of the Jesus plan. You're not a Christian. And so Paul's making this point. That's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. It's different than that. Let's keep reading Paul's letter. Because Paul's about to teach something really deep here. And, and I think that it's going to be nurturing to us and help us take next steps. See, at this time, all the Judaizers have been focusing on Moses' law. Moses' law. He was a great patriarch of the Jewish religious system. He's the guy who brought down the Ten Commandments. He's the guy who, who laid out uh, the book of Leviticus, which gives all, the Mo- all of the, uh, all the Jews their, their law to follow. But what Paul's going to do is he's going to kind of one-up the Judaizers. You're talking about Moses? Okay, I'm going to talk about something a little more foundational even than Moses. He's going to talk about Abraham. Abraham. If you don't know who that is or what that's about, hang on, because we're going to get into it. Let's let Paul explain it. In Galatians chapter 3, starting at verse 6. So he just kind of jumps in, but these guys would have understood this. He says, So also Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him, As righteousness. So understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. This is what he said. All nations will be blessed through you. That's what God told Abraham. Verse 9. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. You see what Paul just did. Like, they were talking about Moses. He's like, okay, I get Moses, but let's talk about Abraham. He goes back deeper into the Jewish history. Abraham was the genetic ancestor of all Jewish people. Basically, the definition of being a Jew is to be a descendant of Abraham. He was the first one. And everyone beyond that become the nation of Israel. And God originally makes the promise for all mankind, not to Moses, but to Abraham. You can actually read about it in Genesis chapter 12, starting at verse 1. It'll be on the screen here. It says, the Lord said to Abraham, or to Abram. This is before he began to be called Abraham. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And listen to this. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. And all people of the earth will be blessed through you, Abraham. And this is what Paul was talking about in chapter 3, verse 6. He says, so also Abraham, quote, believed God, And it was credited to him as righteousness. See, Abraham believed that God was who he says he was. That he would do what he said he would do. And so Abraham acted in faith on that. And you can keep reading that in Genesis chapter 12. And you'll see that Abraham did at age 75. He packed up everything he owned. He got his household, his family. And he just began to travel. He didn't know where he was going. But he knew that God was going to lead the way. That's a really cool story if you haven't read it. Check out Genesis chapter 12. But to do that involves so much faith. So much trusting in God, so much conviction and confidence of who God was. And Scripture says that it was this belief and this this, this, uh, corresponding action by Abraham that was credited to him as righteousness. Righteousness is a big deal. It's kind of a theological word, but it means the state of being right, particularly before God. So so Abraham's faith, his action, just knowing that God was who he was, who he said he was, and he would do what he said he was going to do, just knowing that and acting on it was enough for God to look at Abraham and say, you're righteous. You're right in my eyes. You're doing what you need to do. For Abraham, he didn't have to follow the law of Moses. There was no law of Moses. Moses is like Abraham's great-great-great-great-great-great-grandson. It hadn't happened yet. And so Paul steps over Moses in a respectful way, And he says, I'm going to use this founding father of the Jewish nation to show the Judaizers that you're wrong, guys. You're wrong. These things that you're requiring of the Christians is is wrong because there's more to pleasing God than just following the law. There's more to pleasing God than just following Moses' rules. Though those things are important, even more foundational than that is living a life of faith. And, And this... This is where we come in, me and you, okay, living this life of faith. We literally come into the Bible right now. This is your cameo, okay, back to Galatians chapter 3, verse 8. It says this, Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. Scripture knew that we were coming. Uh, When it talks about the Gentiles, these are people without Jewish heritage, but specifically people who weren't Jewish by religion, and that's most of us, that's most people in the world that people who didn't wouldn't have known about God scripture foresaw that the gentiles would be justified by faith and he reveals these beginning plans what what Paul calls the gospel to Abraham it's cool, the first person who receives the gospel is not Mary or Joseph. It's not uh, a prophet from the Old Testament. It looks like one of the first people to receive the message of the gospel is Abraham. Look at the second half there, verse uh, 8. He says, and God, it's God who's talking about. And God announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. And this is what he said, all nations will be blessed through you. That's us. That's our cameo in the Bible. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham. The man of faith. All right, so Paul is going to keep going. Uh, He's going to spend another page and a half of your Bible talking about Jewish law and this connecting the dots of all that. It's really interesting, and I totally recommend that you read it this week. We're not going to read that all this morning. What I want to do is take the things that Paul says here, and then a passage he says a little bit later, and say, but what about us today? Like, what does that mean for us? How can I apply this to my life? And it really kind of comes down to a phrase. This is the phrase. You Can be included in the promise. The promise that God made to Abraham is not just for the nation of Israel, it's for anyone who has faith. You can be included in the promise, and many of us, most of us, I hope, are already included in the promise. See, there is this core desire, like at the center of all of our hearts, is this desire to belong, to be part of something. I think this is where peer pressure comes from. Like the reason that we'll listen to the crazy kids is, is that'll jump off the bridge and you're like, sure, I'll do it because my friends did it, right? Is because we want to be accepted by them. I think it's why uh, healthy people get lonely when their friends are away. It's a good thing to be lonely. It, you know, it's not fun, but it shows that, man, you're working. God created us to live in community. He wants us to be with one another. He wants us to have that sense of belonging. We want to be understood. We want to be heard. We need to be needed. We want to be accepted. And I believe that God built that desire into us. It's a good thing. It protects us a lot of times, and so we join clubs, and we play in ball leagues, and we make friends, and we date people that we like, and we marry some of them, (laughs) and we build families, and all of this is healthy, and all of this is good, but here's the reality about all those things, and those clubs and the relationships, that as good as they can be, none of them are eternal, right? Even great friendships can go sour. Uh, Even... uh, Every marriage ends one way or the other. Your kids grow up and they move away. Jobs end, great scenarios in. And so these things are good and they, they, they are fulfilling and they give us some sense of purpose. But they can't be what fills us. God's got another plan. He's got a relationship that doesn't fade, that doesn't let us down, that doesn't break. He says, here's what I want you to do. I, I want you to be accepted into my family into my love, into my plan, into my presence. And in my presence, you'll be filled. You'll be made whole. You'll have everything that you need so that these other relationships become actually secondary to that. And they can be so full now because you're receiving life from me. Like Abraham and all who came after him, we get a chance to be included in God's family. With him as our father and us as his children. You know, there are so many nuances to Christian faith. There really are. Uh, Whether you are new in the walk, this is like your very first day ever, giving it a try, coming to a church. Or you've been at it for decades. There's a lot to figure out. Like one of it's like I have this conversation all the time. Like which church is the right church? Right? People, you look around. There's so many different groups, and we talked about the division earlier. It's it's confusing. Okay, but what what does the Bible say about this? And what does it say about that? And so if you're just getting started, like trying to wrap your head around, it's like man, I don't know if I can know all the right answers. And if you've been in this for decades, you know that there are seasons of growth, there are seasons of plateau, there are seasons of falling away. And you gotta get right back up and try again. And so it can be hard. And so that's why it's really comforting to me to know that it's, it's not what I do that makes me 100% right with God. Because I don't always do right. My heart is not always where it needs to be, and my head is not always where it needs to be, and my actions aren't always where need, they need to be. More foundational than that is where's the allegiance of my soul? Who do I consider my Lord and my King? What am I willing to lay down to follow Him? And live for him. You know, believing Jesus is the son of God. Believing that he died and that he rose from the the dead. And and then living for him. Like, God says that doing that, that's the ticket to pleasing me. So let's look back at what Paul says. Because he keeps going in in, in chapter 3, near the very end. He pulls this awesome thing together. Let's look at Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. So, in Christ Jesus, you are all. Children of God through faith. Paul's right there real quick. You're all children of God through faith. If you will believe and and act like you believe, you're you're accepted into his family. It's not because you got it right. It's not because you got all the tick, tick, tick checklists right on the Moses law or the come to church law or perfect attendance. But you are children of God. And verse 27 says this, for all who were baptized into Christ have clothed their self with Christ. I want to go back for a second to high school and my, my letter jacket. Um, I lettered in wrestling. That was a sport I played. I was too lazy to try another one. Um, but I did letter in a sport, and, and it's cool because uh, I, get to, I get to wear that jacket and walk around school. But I need to tell you something that is humbling to say, uh, to say out loud, especially in front of a group uh, of people. Um, I wasn't the best wrestler. In fact, on many days, I was not very good. Uh, there were many times when i go to practice and absolutely get my butt whooped. For the three years that I was on the team, I, I worked uphill the whole time trying to keep my starting spot whenever I got it. And when our system was if you lost a match, you have, to, you have to earn your spot again that next week. And a lot of times, more often than I'm probably willing to admit, I didn't win that spot. I wasn't the best wrestler. I wasn't the model wrestler. Here's the cool thing. I had the jacket. And I could wear it around school and people go, hey, you're in a wrestling team. Cool it's true with wrestling. I didn't have to be the best wrestler to be on the team. And it's even more true with Jesus. He says, listen, this isn't just a silly sport. It's not just an overpriced jacket. It's a spiritual status update. We, we, we move from being alienated from God because of our sin and our brokenness to being elevated to children of God. Clothed With Christ. It says all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. God, he knows about your slip-ups. He knows about your imperfection. He knows you're not the best wrestler, the best life-liver. But he gives you these new clothes, these spiritual garments. And when God looks at you, he doesn't see you for your mistakes once you accept him, once you live for him. He doesn't see you for your mistakes. What he sees is your, your Jesus jacket. And he sees that thing on you, and he's like, man, all right, you're in. You're in. Jesus vouches for you. He gives you the credentials that you need to be considered part of the family. And so it says there in verse 26, it's so in Christ, you're all children of God through faith. Recently, we've been singing this song. uh, It's it's, uh, I'm no longer a slave to fear, but I'm a child of God. That actually comes out of the book of Galatians in chapter 4. You know, being a child of God is a really big deal. As a child, uh, and you have a father, there's this relationship there. Uh, the better part of chapter three and four, when you mix it all together, Paul kind of works on a, another dichotomy, and he talks about the difference between being a child and being like a servant or a slave in a household. And he says, listen, the servant or the slave, man, that guy's got nothing. He doesn't own anything. He lives in the house, but he has ownership of nothing. But that when you become a child of God, you move from being a, a slave to this world, and guys, are we not slaves to this world without God? I mean, we, we are stuck here, and we are stuck with it. It snows outside. Sorry, it's cold, right? That's just the way it is, and we're slaves to, to the sinfulness in our lives, and we're slaves to the rat race that we have to be forced to live in. We're slaves to that. But God says, I want to elevate you above slave and servant. I want to make you a child. When you become a child, you become an heir, like what your father has is yours. This is my house. This is my property. This is where I get to live. Let's look at how Paul says it in chapter 4 starting verse 6. He says, because you are his sons, God sent his spirit of the son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. Abba is a term of endearment like daddy. He says, so you're no longer a slave, but you're God's child and since you are his child god has also made you an heir an heir heir an heir to the promise of salvation an heir to the promise of heaven it feels good to be included to know that i'm part of that and this kingdom that we're a part of worldwide you know right now around the world there are millions and millions and millions of believers who say you know what i live for jesus And I'm going to make a difference in the world because of it. God has made a difference in my life. He's connected me with the presence of the Father, a presence that never ends, a presence that fills me and makes me whole. And then he's given me a life to live that says, go and shine light and make a difference. Jesus said, you shine light into the world so that other people will see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Check this out. We go from trying to use our deeds, our works, the goodness that we try to achieve, we go from using that as a checklist to try to get good with God That it becomes to, not what we have to do, but what we get to do. Because God steps in and goes, look, now that you've been saved, now that you are part of my family, do your good deeds. And when you do that, the world will see you and they're going to give glory to your Father in heaven. You're no longer a slave to fear, slave to your job, slave to the brokenness, slave to the addiction, slave to the job that you might hate, slave to the, the economy that you're scared of, slave to the politics that you don't even know which side to take on sometimes, you're no longer a slave to any of that, but you become a child of God, accepted, included. And that's what it's all about. You know, you might be in a place this morning where you just needed to hear that. Maybe you just feel like, man, I just, I've been messing up a lot lately. I'm going to let you know something. Your dad looks down on you and he says, hey, just do better. I've got better for you. I want better for you. You just do better. You might be in a position where you're like, I've never really accepted Jesus. I've, I've never chosen to live for him in the first place. Like, I attend church, and I mean, my parents were Christians. Maybe they kind of kind of, uh, got you into the church as a kid, baptized as a child, or you've gone through a class, and you're like, yeah, I mean, I'm in, right? The question is, have you made the decision on your own? Have you decided, I love this passage, Galatians 3, 26 and 27, that we're children of God, and that any of us who have been baptized into Christ have been clothed with Christ. I wonder, did you get your Jesus jacket yet? Have you made the decision to be immersed into him and give your life to him? Maybe this can be a challenge for you to dig into that a little bit more. If you've got questions about what it means to be a Christian, um, I'm not going to be checking your beep, like, card at the door and your credentials. But I will help you look through it. And I know a lot of people in here will. Anybody that was in the band, just ask the person you came with if you're here for the first time. Begin to pursue this because God wants you in his family. And he gives us a spirit that cries, Abba, Father. Let's pray. God, thank you for your willingness to give us a a fresh start. When When we don't deserve it, we can't earn it. This message, this lesson is just like a basic, fundamental, what does it mean to be a Christian versus trying to get in your good favor some other way. And Lord, I thank you that you've made it so easy. Um, but Father there's hurdles that some of us have to overcome faith hurdles, question hurdles, doubt hurdles I pray that you give us the courage to just step over those and and to do what it takes to answer those questions Lord if there's someone here this morning who's just uh, skeptical or feels really confused about stuff Lord I pray that you just move in and help them clarify things whether it's through people in this room or just through uh, your clarifying spirit God thank you for making us your children Thank you for including us in your family. We love you, Lord. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.